everybody, welcome to another lecture from the Dining Room Chalkboard. It is day 69 on the self-quarantine count. It's also week eight, and as you probably realized from following the announcements on the Course D2L page, this lecture is a little late, and also things are getting slightly changed up as far as the final few weeks of the class are going, uh, as I'm assessing uh, the whole situation after seven and a half weeks of doing this remote instruction thing. Uh, how it is that we can bring this term to uh, a final completion without killing everybody and without adding undue stress and yet also achieving the uh, you know as close as possible to the educational goals. Um, so this is this is the final content lecture of the class. I'm going to do one more wrap up uh, lecture uh, in week ten. Um, there's also supposed to be this week uh, our final guest lecture interview, and for the uh, discussion board, as my announcement said, I've substituted the podcast interview with Amy Rathfelder, who is Ted Wheeler's uh, campaign manager, but I do have an interview scheduled with her. Um, as I'm speaking to you today, it's uh, Wednesday, the day after election day. Uh, the counting is still being done, and uh, it's, it, it is very close as to whether or not uh, Ted Wheeler will have 50% plus one votes to be able to be re-elected mayor without having to go to a general election runoff. Uh, by tomorrow, I'm not even sure if we're going to know, but, but I'll be speaking with uh, Amy on the telephone uh, on Thursday of this week uh, um, at 3 o'clock, so we'll have a chance to uh, find out from her her sort of retrospect on this particular election, and I'm also going to be asking her to just kind of assess uh, overall, what it's like to or not assess, but just to discuss what it's like to to run a campaign from beginning to end. And so, uh, it, it, in the end, it's I think it's probably pretty good that uh, I fumbled the scheduling with her so that we couldn't actually do the interview until after the election, which was not my intention. But it seems like that might be better. Uh, anyway, that that'll be coming, and that's just optional for you because of the uh, discussion that you're required to do for this week's the final week of guest lecture online discussion is. Uh, already the podcast episode that you're supposed to be listening to. So this is going to be the last content lecture before a wrap-up, uh, and uh, in a way that I'm already sort of moving into the wrapping up stage. Uh, so today's topic is making scarcity decisions, uh, and um, this is, uh, in a way, there's a lot of similarities between almost any kind of decision-making that any of us make in our lives uh, in, in the various kinds of endeavors uh, that are directly related to a campaign. Uh, a campaign is, in a way, it's very similar to a business. Uh, it's a startup business uh, and it's in a competitive environment. Um, there are some of the similar challenges of raising startup capital, uh, continuing to raise money, um, organizational challenges, uh, communicating your message. <clears throat> And of course, it's a business that's competitive in the sense that, uh, directly competitive, uh, here you're not competing for customers, you're competing for voters. Uh, and uh, part of the organizational challenge is how do you organize and marshal your resources to effectively uh, get the most voters. The communication challenge is how do you actually figure out what uh, type of messaging uh, through the multiple avenues uh, that messaging is uh, available uh, to a campaign, how do you form a message that's going to uh, you know, speak to people in a way that's going to get them to turn out and to vote for either your candidate or your ballot measure. Uh, the final piece of running any kind of competitive enterprise is uh, knowing that there are gonna be tough decisions that have to be made with a scarcity of resources. Um, scarcity decisions are not just a matter of 
oh no, we didn't raise enough money or we didn't raise as much money as we wanted or we don't have enough volunteers or you know, we thought we were gonna need more volunteers. Every campaign, just like every decision, really every decision that you make in your life, there's, a, there's scarcity built in. Uh, you know, you, even if you raise a ton of money, uh, you could always use more. Uh, even if you have a bunch of volunteers knocking doors, uh, there's, there, there's a scarcity level that you could face where you could always use more volunteers. Um, unless, of course, your campaign is so well-funded and so well-staffed uh, with uh, activist energy that you're just running away with the election and you're, and you're doing really well. Um, the, uh, you know, so I'm not saying that there's not cases where this isn't going to come up. Uh, but in most uh, campaigns that are, you know, have to, to have a meaningful battle for victory, there is going to be a scarcity decision. So how do you do that? How does, the, how, how does that get made? Um, well, in any normal situation where you have a scarcity decision, and, and you're probably making them right now uh, in terms of, you know, you, you only have a certain amount of time to dedicate to all the things that are on your plate at this moment. One of which I know, at least one of which is being a student. Uh, in at least one class, uh, and you have work to do, how do you decide uh, what to do with the time that you have available to you? Uh, in an uh, a election campaign, the factors that uh, essentially limit your, uh, your resources are uh, money, activist energy, and the candidate's time. Now, at certain stages in the uh, campaign, scarcity uh, problems can be faced by the idea, or can, can be faced by a marshalling of more resources. Right? If, you're, if you're two months from the election and you don't have uh, enough money to run the kind of ads that you feel like you want to run, then that's uh, one of the decisions you make facing that level of scarcity is, okay, well, can, can we do without those ads? And if not, we need to raise more money, and so we're going to have to shift our time to raising more money. Um, if, we, if, if a big part of our strategy for our turnout is to knock a bunch of doors in a time when you can actually knock doors, uh, that, and we don't have enough activist energy, uh, then um, what we need to do is this is an organizational challenge to try to marshal more volunteers. And so, okay, what's going to get more volunteers? We're going to you know, send our field director out to make more announcements in college classes. We're going to ask people who are already volunteers more vigorously to see if they can enlist further volunteers, increase the sort of passion and level of excitement internally uh, with, you know, by sort of changing uh, amplifying the way that the internal messaging, the internal communication is, is going on. Um, and of course, you can't do anything about the candidate's time, um, but what you can do is you can say, okay, well, where is the candidate most needed? Where is, what are, what are the most useful places that the candidate can be put? And always keeping in mind that there's only one metric, ultimately, for the success of a campaign, and that's the number of votes. So all of this stuff is aimed at getting votes. And one of the things that drives scarcity decisions always is the sense of trade-offs. It's like, okay, so we don't have enough money to do all the advertising we want. Well, one, 
we're going to have to dedicate resources to raising money. So that's energy and also other money, right? As I, as I talked about in the fundraising lecture, um, is it worthwhile to actually divert time and energy and some money towards raising more money? Or is the need for that money for the, the are the ads that those that that money would buy or the additional polling that that money would buy or the additional staff uh, members is that really worth it? Uh, and so one of the things that you're always going to be doing when you make scarcity decisions is trade-offs, figuring out what the trade-offs are. And again, this is really, you know, in a way, this today's lecture is, is can be generalized to most types of um, uh, uh, decision-making because we face scarcity decisions all the time, we face trade-offs all the time, it's sort of built into the nature of the universe. So uh, this is something that we do all the time, right? When you give up, uh, on you know going to uh, an, a party that somebody invites you to. I'm speaking the time about time when people still have parties and you go to them. Uh, when you when you give up going to the party because you want to spend two extra hours writing your paper, um, you've made a scarcity decision. You've done a trade off. You've given up one thing that's good that you that you want for another thing that's good that you want. Um, and part of how you would make that decision is by uh, sort of weighing the values that are at play and uh, essentially you know, prioritizing them, and then also determining uh, what is the marginal benefit. One thing about, about trade-offs is that a good way to be uh, intentional about it is marginal benefit. Now, if you've ever taken an economics class, you've, you've heard all about marginal analysis. Uh, maybe you've blocked it out or forgotten about it. It can be, I've taken economic classes uh, and it can be very mind-deadening sometimes. Uh, but basically a marginal analysis says, okay, for every new addition of a unit of something, you get some new benefit, but uh, how much is that new benefit? So, for example, you've written your paper and you have an invitation to go out and you could either go out and turn in the paper as it is, or you could not go out and you could spend two extra or three extra hours writing the paper. Um, if you've already spent 20 hours on the paper, the, what's the marginal benefit of an additional two or three hours? Now, that, you can't make that determination in, in uh, at the abstract, right? Because uh, the, an extra two hours on top of 20 hours is gonna depend on like, you know, how close to a really good paper you have. Also, um, it's gonna depend on how important uh, that grade is. So if it's, a, if it's a class that's really important to you and you're on, like, so let's say it's your final paper and you're on the cusp of getting an A minus or a B plus, which is the difference in grade point average of 3.7 versus 3.3, um, how important is it to spend that extra two hours? And, and also, will that extra two hours uh, Let's say the paper's due at midnight and it's eight o'clock, uh, you know, and you could, let's not, not four hours, but uh, however many hours. Is the extra time going to be enough to likely get you a paper that's going to get you an A minus? And how important is it, right? If, if it's a class in your major, it's probably going to be more important than if it's a, if it's, if it's a class uh, that's not in your major. Um, if your grade point average is hovering in a place that's like the A minus will really put it in, in a spot where you're graduating soon and it will look really good versus the B plus, it's, you know, the marginal benefit really because you've had so many classes 
3.3 versus 3.7 is not going to change it a whole lot. So part of what you can do is you can say, well, well, if I spend this extra four hours, uh, what is it really going to get me? And what am I giving up? And how valuable is the thing I'm giving up? Uh, now, if it's just that your friend said, hey, we're going out and we're going to a bar. I don't, these examples are actually possibly a little bit cruel to use right now, but uh, they're the ones that come to my mind. Um, if it's just a, you know, if it's a, just a Thursday night out, uh, that changes the trade-off and the marginal benefit as well. But let's say it's a really close friend's uh, 30th birthday party. And missing it means that you're going to miss, you know, uh, first of all, a great time. And second of all, uh, like, you know, being there for a person on an, on, on an important day. Uh, they'll probably understand, like, I couldn't go to your party because I had to write that I had to finish this paper. Uh, or I had to, you know, I wanted to spend three, four more hours uh, writing this paper to get a better grade in a class and central to my major. Or you say, you know what, this is, this is just, this is my, uh, this is a biology class and uh, it's not my major, it's just a distribution requirement. The difference between an A minus and a B plus is going to have a tiny effect on my overall grade point average. And I've already spent this time on paper and it's I could make it better right the extra four hours is gonna make it better but how much better is it going to make it um, now if if you put four hours into the paper already and you're looking at additional four hours and this is a this is a paper in your in a class in your major and you know that your major GPA is going to be calculated separately when you apply to graduate school or law school that's going to change the landscape and even if it's a really close friends 30th birthday party that's going to change how you make that particular scarcity decision. Now, you may or may not in your life make decisions this way, uh, thinking about the trade-offs and thinking about the marginal benefit. Um, like four extra hours on top of 20 hours, mm, four extra hours on top of four hours uh, of paper is probably going to be uh, more impactful. Uh, but you may not think through your decisions this way, but when you are running a, com a competitive enterprise or when you're a decision maker in a competitive enterprise, it's really important and beneficial to think about the trade-offs and to think about the marginal benefit. And of course, the marginal benefit is always going to relate to the number of votes. So let's say that uh, you are facing a shortfall in the amount of money that you have to uh, do and um, you know that uh, the, or you, or you feel like your, your information tells you that the, um, that the radio ads that you've been running have been effective. And in fact, you are, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're getting good response in your polling from the radio ads and you don't have enough radio, uh, you don't have enough money to continue running radio ads for the last two weeks of the campaign. So you're facing that scarcity. That's one of those cases where you might say, well, other important things, other things that we want to do, everything in a campaign is important, but other things that we want to do, are they as important, right? Uh, so could we have one last fundraiser to get money that's going to add to the budget to run a bunch of radio ads in the final two weeks? Okay. Yes, we could, but what that's going to mean is it's going to mean taking our activists off of door knocking and putting them onto uh, event planning and putting them onto uh, the event production and uh, taking people away who might be manning phone banks to, to call potential voters and getting them to uh, drum up people that are going to go to the fundraiser. Is it worth di diverting those scarce resources into a uh, last-minute fundraising push so, so that you can have adequate financing for your final couple weeks 
of radio ads, um, or is it not? Now, the, this is where you look at the trade-offs. What are we giving up to get this? And the marginal benefit and the trade-offs, the, the question you're always asking yourself and have to be asking yourself is, I want to be getting more uh, than I'm giving up. And that, that sounds very simple and very elementary when it's spelled out that way, but it isn't necessarily always the way that, that we explicitly think through the decisions that we make. Am I getting more than I'm giving up? Now, uh, even when you ask that question, because you're like, okay, good, I'm, I'm actually explicitly making a decision. I know this is a trade-off situation. I know that, that, that we have two weeks left in the campaign and we have a scarcity of resources and I have to make some uh, decisions as to, as to where to allocate those precious resources. Uh, you might still not necessarily know. Like, well, okay, I know that I'm, what I'm gonna be giving up in terms of reorienting the uh, time and energy and resources of my volunteers to move away from phone banking and door knocking to event planning and uh, um, outreach to potential funders, I know that I'm giving up the phone banking and the door knocking, and I know that I'm getting the likelihood of raising a certain amount of money that is going to then be able to be put into the uh, radio uh, ad budget. Hopefully, we'll raise the, the amount of money, because there's always a risk, uh, you know, there's, there's never certainty that when you do make a reallocation of, of resources, that it's going to actually achieve what you want it to, right? The extra four hours of writing the paper might not actually make the paper better. Uh, but when you make the decision, you, you have to make the assumption that, okay, I know there's always a risk that this uh, use of resources is not going to end up paying off as richly as I hoped it would. But uh, that's not the troublesome part. The uncertainty is not the troublesome part of the decision. The troublesome part is deciding how do you, or not deciding, figuring out how do you determine if what I'm giving up is losing me less than what I'm potentially getting. And this is where we, you always refer back to this question of the number of votes. And um, th there, there's a, I would say, an important way to be able to make these trade-off decisions that, that are going to come in most campaigns, particularly down uh, to the wire the last few weeks. There are two factors here, and this goes all the way back to the beginning of the class. There's turnout and persuasion. Both of these will give you voters. And uh, the question will be when you're making scarcity decisions at the sort of at the end here is which kind of a election are we in? Which one of these things is actually going to give us more voters? So Radio ads really are about persuasion. Um, television ads are about persuasion. Uh, so those kinds of uh, um, uh, allocations, saying, okay, we're gonna take people off door knocking and phone banking, which is about turnout, and we're gonna put them on fundraiser event planning here at the end, and that's gonna give us money to uh, run radio ads. That's about persuasion. To determine, quite simply, whether or not that's a smart, reallocation of resources, you just need to know which business you're in for this particular campaign. Uh, and of course, you may not be able to know that with certainty, but one of the important features, and this does harken back to the very beginning uh, of the class, but one of the important features of the information that you uh, need to have, or certainly want to have, as a person who's, who's running a campaign is, 
just which of them is this, right? Um, and uh, what kind of levels of each of these do I need, right? Do I, if, if, I, if I can turn out my people, then I don't need to persuade anybody. Then it would be foolish to take people off door knocking and phone banking to uh, organize a fundraiser to raise money to uh, air radio ads in the, la in the last two weeks. If, however, you're in a, uh, an election where you need to persuade voters and you're, you think you're doing pretty well, like your polling shows that the undecideds have gone down, your numbers have gone up, uh, you correlate it with the periods where you've been doing the radio ads and so you know that, or you have some sense that the radio ads have actually been moving the needle on your support, that you're actually winning over the persuadable voters. Um, if you need those persuadable voters, then it's going to make more sense to pull people off, even though you might be giving up some turnout, right, uh, to get more persuasion, uh, to, to get more uh, money for uh, the persuasion. But also, here's the other thing, and this is where there can be a trap, where uh, something is working, but it's not crucial to your success, right? So, uh, again, in any enterprise, there are things that you do well, and uh, that it may or may not be crucial to your success, right? So let's say you're running a restaurant and you have, like, you have the best uh, French fries that anybody has ever tasted, right? You're just killing it with, 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 with your French fries. Um, but people aren't coming to your restaurant for the French fries. People are, and, and uh, you're not gonna get more people into your restaurant because of uh, your, your French fries. It, while you're doing that really well, like adding more, like may, featuring the french fries more or advertising more about how awesome your french fries are isn't necessarily going to get you more business, right? You're already doing something really well and there can be, it can be a trap that what you're doing well is actually the thing that you need to continue pursuing for your success. It's really important to know that like, okay, what, I, what do I actually need for my success? So let's say that we know that our radio ads have been working and we know that it's been uh, helping with uh, the persuadable voters, but that's not enough to win the election for us. And there aren't that many persuadable voters around. Um, it's, we're doing really well though, we're persuading people. It's very hard to say, okay, we're persuading people, but what do we, do we really need to be persuading people? And if for every one person we persuade, we are giving up the ability to turn out two people who are going to vote for us anyway. Um, so, uh, and turnout, one of the things about turnout is that turnout is it's sort of the boring but necessary side of campaigns, and the persuasion is definitely the compelling, the sexier side of it. Uh, so you'd say, well, yeah, you know, we need to, uh, one, we need to, to reorient our uh, volunteer energy and our time towards raising money so we can do radio ads and we're, we need new radio ads so we're going to pull people off speech writing and uh, to, to write radio ads and then we're going to get the candidate to go and spend the amount of time that it takes to uh, do the voiceovers for uh, these radio ads. We're going to reorient all in this particular direction. What is the marginal benefit of this? Um, and it can be, this is where it can be hard and, and where there will also be probably internal disagreement. 
uh, and uh, campaigns get very stressful as they come close to the end. Uh, people have been working really hard, and uh, the you know you have you have no real metric because the votes haven't been actually cast. Even if your polling is looking good, there's still that uncertainty of well, will our well, you know when we ask people are you going to vote for us, they say of course I'm going to vote for you. The question is are they actually going to vote at all? Um, <clears throat> and so polling might not translate into actual votes. There's a lot of stress. There's a lot of uncertainty. There's going to be disagreement. So I, uh, I've already, as I've been doing this, I realize I've been speaking about scarcity decisions as though it's just an individual decision that uh, you are making. But part of what's going to be happening is it's going to be these decisions are going to be made in a collective environment, and you and uh, there's going to be disagreement. It is going to be really important at this point, especially the stressful last few weeks, when these scarcity decisions are going to be the most crucial to be able to step back. And say, okay, really, this is the most important time to be extremely mindful of the trade-offs, to pay really close attention to the marginal benefit of these things, and to figure out what is, what kind of election are we in, and which of these two things, if we can't have a maximum amount of both of them, which uh, most campaigns cannot maximize their turnout effort and their persuasion effort, which direction are we going to have? Are we going to be going? Hopefully, you already know this, and this is one of the things that uh, that I indicated, you know, way back, weeks back, uh, that it's it's going to be important for even devising the voice of your campaign, certainly, and definitely the communication strategy, to being able to understand. Well, what are you trying to do, right? Are you trying to motivate people who are already persuaded to go vote, and also not just motivate them? But inform them. That's actually one of the things about turnout is that mostly what you're doing in a turnout election is you're just getting people to be aware, right? This is this is awareness, and of course excitement, um, and then uh, for persuasion, you're actually trying to convince people as well as create awareness and excitement. So you're doing you're doing both. But uh, if you're like, okay, you know. What I need to do is just need to make people aware that they need to go on the back side of the ballot and look for this particular way down ballot office and fill out my name. Then uh, radio ads that uh, reach people who are persuadable may not be doing that. Though radio ads that reach people who don't need to be persuaded but are like, oh, that's right, that name. I keep hearing that name. I got to look for that name on the ballot. Like you know, and the radio ad is essentially again even just what the radio ad will say could be different depending on whether you're in a turnout situation or in a persuasion situation, right? If, if you're just looking to reinforce name recognition and in, indicate to people who are likely to vote for you that it's important to vote, right? There's, uh, that their vote counts. That's a different type of message than if you're trying to convince people that your candidate or ballot measure is better than the opposition's candidate or you know, if you're on the yes side, it's better than the no side. So this, this, will, this will be a different type of information than this. Now, I'm getting pulled into this, to what I think of as the, as the fun part of campaigns, which is figuring out the communication strategy, when really what I'm trying to do here is talk about the scarcity decisions. Um, but it's going to be hard to, uh, to pull away from a successful persuasion effort. Right? We've been running these great radio ads. Uh, the polls show that we've mopped up the undecideds uh, pretty well so that we're, we're actually persuading the people who are persuadable to come over to our candidate. But the fact is, is that for every dollar we put into persuasion, 
we are diverting resources that are losing our ability to bring in the people who we, who we really need to, to win. And this really is a turnout election. We're not really worried about persuasion. We're just, we're, we just are con con concerned with making sure that our people get to the polls. Now, um, this will also uh, depend on the, what the situation is, right? In, in an election where there is not a high level of intensity, and where there's not big things on the ballot, you know, in a non-presidential year, uh, turnout is going to be uh, a harder thing, and it, but it's also going to mean that you're probably more in a turnout election. Um, are, are there no big divisive issues between your candidate and the other candidate uh, that could uh, allow, you know, that, that makes persuasion an important thing? Um, then turnout is going to, going to uh, be uh, the kind of election you're in. But basically, down, when you're down to the wire, making scarcity decisions in the last month or last few weeks of a campaign, it really comes all back to this. Uh, where are you? And then also, and here's the thing, uh, let's say that you know that you're in a turnout election, but of course you would love to persuade as many voters, and you've done a lot of outreach. Right, like you've knocked all the doors, you've knocked many of the doors, and it would, you know, uh, and there's a marginal benefit to knocking more doors once you've already knocked, you know, uh, eight thousand doors to then knocking another thousand doors. But is that extra thousand doors going to be uh, a boon to your turnout? Uh, and is the phone banking, is the calling people to remind them to vote for you, going to be the important thing? Now, um, this will also depend. Uh, on as especially sequencing is going to be, to uh, really matter. Uh, it depends on how voters behave um, in terms of turning in their ballots. Now, in certain states, uh, and we're not in one of those states, but in certain states, there's election day, and so the campaign, the getting the number of votes, is really just all about aiming towards that particular election day. Uh, when there's early voting and when there's uh, mail-in voting, uh, like there is in, in Oregon then that actually changes the situation because the final two or three weeks are going to look different depending on the way that voters behave. Um, one of the things that, you, that, that uh, can happen is that in that final few week stretch, you're pivoting from one kind of election to another. Right? Your turnout efforts have been aimed at getting the people who are going to support you to fill out their ballots and turn them in early. Um, and uh, you know, if you have good information about the fact that in, in the district that your candidate is running in, that voter turnout rates, and you can have this, this is public information, uh, publicly available information, um, that you should have already had way back uh, in, in your whole assessment of what the, what the electoral landscape looks like, that um, the uh, early voting is going to break your way, uh, and the key to victory is getting the late voters to choose your candidate or to vote yes or no on the ballot measure that, that you're running a campaign for. And so that your, your sequencing will change. And hopefully, you'll know this in advance, and you should know this in advance, and so you have a plan that in the last two weeks you're gonna pivot away from turnout and move towards persuasion. And so that will actually, you may have already planned in advance or had some kind of overall game plan that will, that will dictate how you uh, make these scarcity decisions in the last few uh, weeks of the campaign. You're like, yeah, you know, uh, I would still love to have door knockers and uh, phone bankers up to the 
very day of the election, I want also to have a bunch of people out there on the corners waving signs and honking horns, which I went out, drove out on election day yesterday, and it was the quietest election day I've ever seen because people weren't out doing the traditional, like, waving the signs uh, and honking horns and, and doing all that stuff. Um, but, you know, you might be like, I want to do that. I want, I want to take our turnout effort, uh, our ground game. I want to take it to the last minute, right up to election day. But if that's an amount of effort that is going to detract from your ability to shift your resources towards, in the final push, getting enough budget to do the persuasion that could get you those undecided votes that might not come in if you don't do that persuasion. Now, for every radio ad you don't run, you are giving up uh, a sort of unknown quantity of votes. And again, the question is, can you afford to give up on the possibility of doing that? But, you, but, but we, we always know that for every person that's not called, for every door that's not knocked, you're giving up some uh, amount of uh, turnout. And for every uh, radio or television ad or newspaper ad you, you uh, don't run, you're giving up the opportunity to persuade. But how big is that? Um, but the, if you have an overall idea of what the landscape looks like, if you know that this is largely a turnout election and you, and, and you have a sense that the people who are going to vote for who are on your side, who are going to vote are early voters, you're going to orient your turnout uh, energy, your, your resources towards doing that early. And then that gives you the ability to essentially pivot in the final few weeks from this to this. And then you're going to say, well, the marginal benefit of moving staff members, moving somebody from uh, you know, uh, speech writing to writing the radio ad that like, seems the right radio ad now, taking the time away from the candidate who's going to be you know, maybe going out and uh, you know, uh, energizing uh, the, uh, their supporters to spending time in the studio making a good radio ad or huddling with the communications team to make sure that uh, the messaging in the, in the, the ad is, is really the right one that it makes a lot of sense. So it would be nice, it would be ideal, I should say, to have a game plan that uh, helps you to know in advance, back months ago, when you have the time and the lack of stress uh, to plan this whole thing, to be able to say, okay, when it comes down to the final few weeks, um, I know that the way that I'm going to make scarcity decisions is going to look different than the way that I make scarcity decisions two months out or four months out. Uh, that's not always going to be possible, nor will it be something that you always have the foresight to do, uh, but it would be ideal. Now, if it isn't, that doesn't change the, the, the way that your decision-making goes. You still have to think about the trade-offs and you have to think about the marginal benefits. For every extra dollar that's, that is put into, that's raised and put into a persuasion effort, um, it, would that dollar be sp better spent uh, or would that hour of activist energy or would that hour of the candidate's time be better spent trying to make sure that people know who your candidate is, that what their name is, where they are on the ballot, that this is even a race at all uh, um, that, they, that they get to vote on. Uh, you, you know, in some, some races you're like, what, Metro? You know, what is the Metro Council? I don't even know what this is. Um, <clears throat> a, a lot of winning those elections is just making people aware that it's there to vote for and that your person is, is the person uh, that they would choose to support if they even knew that there was a vote that they could cast in this particular direction. Um, so scarcity decisions have to always be made back in reference to this.
Now, it seems, again, I said it earlier, it seems extraordinarily obvious, but it's actually the kind of thing that can get lost in, in like the stress and the shuffle. What is a campaign about? It's a competitive enterprise oriented towards one metric, and this is the only metric. So always making scarcity decisions comes back around to, what am I giving up by doing A instead of B? And is the thing that I'm giving up uh, more or less valuable than the thing that I'm getting? Uh, and to be that, there, you know, as I said, said several times already, there's uncertainty about that. You don't, you can't be sure that when you choose A versus B, that you're going to be getting uh, plus ten versus plus eight, and therefore the plus ten is better. Uh, so there's, there, you, you definitely can't know. The more information you have to make that assessment, the better. And uh, also, you. you you know, you're going to make these choices and it's going to turn out that because the world is uncertain that you were incorrect, but that doesn't mean that you shouldn't be systematic. These are the, these are the questions to ask yourself. Um, and when you ask yourself that question, hopefully you also then have the uh, enough information to be able to answer what is the marginal benefit, right? Like, so, um, back to the, back to the paper writing, and this is where being reflective about your own experience and where having experience is really, is really helpful, uh, uh, will make for a better decision. If uh, you've done this before, if you've, if you've written papers at the last minute or, you, or you've you know, spent 20 hours on a paper and then like right before it's due, uh, four hours before it's due, you're like, I'm going to give it one minute. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to give it one last four hour push. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to edit it. I'm going to pay real close attention. I'm going to maybe add some more sources, make sure it's all really good. Uh, if you've done that in the past and that has actually made a difference in the output, then it's going to make the marginal benefit of spending that four hours different, look different relative to going out to the, the, the friend's birthday party than if you've done it in the past and you know that it doesn't really improve the paper that much. It makes it better, but it doesn't make it that much better. That the first four hours of writing a paper are way more valuable and, uh, and impactful than the, than the last four. And uh, that you've also done it uh, rushed in this way and that two hours calm the day before it's due are worth more than four hours from eight o'clock to midnight when the paper is due at midnight. Uh, that's the kind of information that will help you to make that determination. You know? And you might say, well, just, you should always just write the paper instead of going to the party. Um, and, and, maybe, and if that's your value system, then that's fine. Then you have an easy answer, right? That, then you don't even, you're not even making uh, a trade-off here. The trade-off is automatic. But the, 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 re I, the reason I give this example is because there, there really is, and as we know now, especially when we're denied it, there is value, personal value, to, to people in uh, you know, socializing. And there's, of course, personal value in spending more time and, uh, and energy on your schoolwork. Uh, you would like to have the benefits of both of those, but when we can't, when you have to choose one versus the other, it's, it's really good to know which one of them matters more in this situation, but then it's also really good to know, well, what, what is the likely uh, to, to play out each of those scenarios? So I just turn in my paper now, it's 8 o'clock, I turn in my paper as is, um, and I'm probably going to get as good of a grade as I would get if I spent four more hours, and so why would I forego spending quality time with my friends and, and helping a good friend of mine celebrate a monumental birthday? Um, or be like, you know, that's a big thing to give up, it's, it's a big thing to give up being there uh, for a close friend, but this last four hours is going to make this paper it's going to take it across the finish line. It's, 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 it's a B, B minus paper right now. I could make this an A paper. 
right? So if you have the experience to know that that extra hour or that those extra hours of writing the paper or if you're talking about studying for an exam the next day, uh, whatever it has to be, if you, if you actually have that information and experience to know that uh, I'm gonna, here's what the likely payoff is, knowing that of course all decisions are fully uncertain about the future, but here's what's likely to happen. Uh, luckily, in an election, you don't have to balance different values. You don't have to decide what's more important, grades or social satisfaction or being there for your friends or, or whatever it happens to be. Uh, he, all, you, you all, it's already decided for you. You're always referencing back to the number of votes. It can be really, believe it or not, in the stress of a campaign, that can, you can forget that. That can get lost. Uh, that even though it's so obvious, that's what a campaign is for. Um, you know, we need to make sure that uh, we saturate the airwaves. That, that, that can become an end in itself. Or we need to make sure that we have our people out there with clipboards and literature knocking doors. That can become an end in itself when you're not focused on the fact that actually those things are all a means to an end. And uh, when you're down to the wire and having to decide between whether we're going to put most of our resources in this direction or most of our resources in this direction or balance them evenly, uh, it's necessary to explicitly refer yourself back to this particular question. Seems obvious when I say it, or at least it seems obvious to me when I say it, but it's actually one of those things that is a really, uh, it's, it's, it's a really good reminder and it's a really necessary reminder. All right, I, I think that I could probably continue going on by giving a bunch of different other examples, but uh, I would just be, I feel like I would just be uh, redundant that the main point is that this is the metric. You're gonna be making trade-off decisions. Uh, you're making trade-offs and you need to pay attention to the marginal, be marginal benefit. Information is really important, knowing which of these type of elections you're, you're in, uh, knowing also where, like whether you can pivot from one to the other because of voter behavior. Also knowing whether or not, for example, radio ads have been, uh, you know, uh, working in the past. Knowing, having both the experience and the information to know whether the benefit you think you're going to get by making decision A versus decision B is actually going uh, to be the benefit that's really going to turn out to be the benefit in the world. Knowing that there's always uncertainty. So there's all of that, and now I've just kind of repeated it all and summarized it, and uh, I think that's probably a great place to end today's uh, lecture. All right, that's it.